Also, that the leadership asked me to be here to share, especially today, as we launch into uh, the Family Vacation Bible School. Um, We're going to be looking today at Jesus' high priestly prayer out of John 17. So if you have your Bibles, John 17, 6 through 18, it'll also be on the screen. We're going to read it. I'm going to read it. If you would stand for the reading of God's Word this morning out of the New Testament. I'm just going to read it off of here because I'm not sure that it matches up what I have right here. Go ahead. All right, church. Lord, we just ask that you to honor your word this morning, that you would open it up before us. Lord, let it be the manna that we need today and this week as we prepare to minister to one of the greatest blessings you have given us in our lives, in our church, in our communities, our children. Lord, show us how we can effectively pray for your children. God's word. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am No longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Thank you, Lord, for opening up your word for us this morning and for giving us the living word, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody, have a seat. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you, even if you don't have children or your children are full grown, this message is still relevant to you this morning. How to pray for your children, and, and here's the reasons why. God chose Jesus not to experience this part of life. So Jesus can relate to the idea of not having his own children. However, I have been here for baby dedications, and I know that all of you commit to raising children in this church. Upon their dedication here, you agree to help be a part of their raising. So you are raising spiritual children in this church, all right? Uh, The other thing is that um, these prayers are still prayers that you should pray and follow this prayer as an example of how to pray for loved ones. So I think there's several applications that you can look at through this passage, but this morning um, I really want to focus on praying for our children and praying for our Vacation Bible School this week. I'm encouraging you to be in prayer all week long for the Vacation Bible School and that not only kids would be encouraged in their faith, but that many would come to know Jesus as their Savior. What's the context? Jesus is in the upper room. He's just, uh, they've just shared the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and now he prays. Point number one that I want to say, Jesus says this repeatedly, you gave, they are yours, you gave. The first point I want to make is that children are not ours to begin with. And if you really buy into that philosophy, it changes everything. 
about how you raise your children, how we raise the children in the church. Listen to these words out of verse 6. You gave me them out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. Verse 9. Those you have given to me, they are yours. Jesus goes back many times and says, these children are not mine, and your children are not yours. They belong to God. If you raise them with this mentality, it changes everything, especially in a culture that is shifting more and more away from the law of God. In a culture like ours, where things are more, much more mainstream and everything's becoming more uh, liberalized, according, especially according to the law, and the laws, are being, the laws of God are being taken, we are becoming a godless nation. It is more and more vital that we are raising our children with this mentality. They don't belong to us. Now, I want to read something to you. I love this. I love this passage of scripture. This is uh, A.W. Tozer. He wrote a story about Abraham and Isaac. We're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac as a model here, this idea that they are not yours. And I want to read what Tozer wrote because I think it is so very applicable. And then we're going to tell a quick story here, and then we'll bring that section to close, all right? Abraham was old when Isaac was born, old enough indeed to have been his grandfather. And the child became at once the delight and the idol of his heart. From the moment when he first stooped to take the tiny form awkwardly in the arms, he was an eager love slave to his son. God went out of his way to comment on the strength of this affection, and it was not hard to understand, was it? The baby represented everything sacred to the Father heart of God, the promises of God, the covenants, the hopes of the years, the long messianic dream, all those things. As he watched him grow from babyhood to young manhood, the heart of the old man was knit closer and closer with the life of his son, till at last... The relationship bordered on the perilous. It was then that God stepped in to save both father and son from the consequences of an uncleansed love. All right, let's go back and review this story then, and then we'll go back to Tozer for a second. When I do this, you cheer, all right? You cheer. Go ahead. Yay! When I do this, you say, aw. When I do this, you go, yo. If I do this, you say, oh, no. All right? And maybe I might do this, which is the sound of a lamb. Bah, yeah, all right. Or this is a donkey. Well, this is a donkey, all right? Let me hear the donkey. All right. This is for the childlike or the children at heart, all right? So you can participate in this. I want to tell you a story. Let's go back and review those, those parts. Uh, let's see how good your memories are this morning. Yay! Very good. <laughs> oh, no. And you talk about the children not having long attention spans? Uh... Yo. Thanks, Al. All right. There you go. All right. All right. Once there was a man named Abraham. God blessed Abraham in his old age with a son, Isaac, whom he loved very much. Now, one day God said to Abraham, and Abraham replied, then God said, take your son, Isaac, your only son, Isaac, whom you love very much, and go north to Mount Moriah. There you will sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He left for Mount Moriah with his two servants and his son Isaac, whom he loved very much. On the third day, Abraham looked up into the mountains, and there he saw them in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here and look after the donkey. I will take the boy to the mountain, and I will offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham took the wood for the offering and placed it on Isaac, whom he loved very much. As the two of them walked along, Isaac said to his father, I see that the fire and the wood are here, Dad, but where is the lamb? Abraham replied, God will provide the lamb. Finally, they arrived at their location. Then Abraham took his son Isaac, his only son Isaac, whom he loved very much, 
and bound him and laid him on top of an altar. He took the knife out of his pocket and lifted it over top of the boy. He was going to slay his own son. And just at that very moment, an angel called out to Abraham from heaven. Because when God wants your attention, he always says it twice. Abraham replied, the angel said, don't you lay a hand on that boy. Now I know that you fear God and you have not withheld your son Isaac, whom you love very much. Abraham looked up in the thicket and there he saw a lamb caught in the bushes. He went over and he took the lamb and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his own son, Isaac, whom he loved very much. And Abraham named God Jehovah Jireh that day because God provided a lamb. Very good. All right. So the story of Abraham, listen to how Tozer finishes this section. Take now thy son, said God to Abraham, thine only son Isaac, whom you love, and go into Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. The sacred writer spares, a, spares us a close-up of the agony that might that night on the slopes near Beersheba, where the aged man had it out with God, duking it out with God, but respectful imagination may view in awe, the bent form and convulsive wrestling alone under the stars. Possibly not again until a greater than Abraham wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane did such mortal pain visit a human soul. If only the man himself might have been allowed to die. That would have been easier than a thousand times, for he was now old. And to die would have been no greater deal for one who had walked so long with God. Besides, it would have been a last sweet pleasure to let his dimming vision rest upon the figure of his stalwart son who would live to carry on the Abrahamic line. To fulfill in himself the promises of God made long before. How should he slay the lad? Even if he could get the consent of the wounded and protesting heart, how could he reconcile the act with a promise? In Isaac, thy seed shall be called. This was Abraham's trial by fire. He did not fail. While the stars still shone like a sharp white point above the tent where the sleeping Isaac lay. And long before the great dawn had begun to lighten the east, the old saint had made up his mind. He would offer his son, as God has directed him to do, and then trust God to raise him from the dead. Thus, this, says the writer to the Hebrews, was the solution his aching heart found sometime in the dark night, and he rose early in the morning to carry out the plan. It is beautiful to see that while he erred as to God's method, he had correctly sensed the secret of his great heart. And the solution accords well with the New Testament scriptures. Whoever will lose for my sake will find. I love that. You know, uh, while I was here, I was part of a small group. And we studied a book by uh, a guy by the name of, can't remember his name, what was his name? Uh, Getz, Getz. And it was called Death by Suburbs. And it was disciplines, spiritual disciplines, for a person in contemporary culture, in the suburbs, families. So we were studying that, and the guy talked about immortality symbols. Have you ever heard that phrase before? An immortality symbol. I love this concept. An immortality symbol is not really about the thing. It's not about a child. Because his point is, children have become the new immortality symbol of our culture. Children have become the new immortality symbol, and that's part of what Abraham was wrestling with. It's not really about the child. It's about the glory that the child will bestow upon me. I will be famous. Finally, I will have the masses bow down and then rise up and call me blessed. Why do I feel so blessed that my son has the bat best batting average in the park district rec and field team? It is simply because I'm proud of my son's accomplishments? Of course not. Successful children are the ultimate glory in today's park and travel culture. 
Children's level, children level the playing field. Whether blue money, new money, no money, children represent real potential for glory in the here and now. They are the ultimate extension of ourselves. If glory means covering your seventh grader's sins, so be it. Parenting today is perhaps today's most competitive adult sport. Wow. <laughs> I think two generations ago, Al, you know, two generations ago, my family, both my mother and father were farmers. And they grew up on a farm, and I'm sure most of you can say amen to this. They grew up in families where they were not the center of the universe. They grew up in families that served the family. The children served the family. Do you see how that has shifted in our culture? And now we serve our children, and children are the center of our families. And it's backwards. And part of what God is, Jesus is saying here is, don't look at them like that. They aren't yours to begin with. They're God's. So, point number one, as you pray, pray in conjunction with the idea that, God, they are yours. They're not mine to begin with. All right, give them the word. Let's go back to that passage and look and see how Jesus prays. For I gave them the words in verse 8. I gave them the words you gave me. They accepted them. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. I want to talk about this. How do we give the ch- our children the word to live by? Um, I would encourage, I encourage parents to post notes, to send notes along with their kids, to do Bible, scripture, memory, verses. I know in my life over the last three or four years during my transition and back into full-time ministry, nothing has benefited me more than knowing the word of God. I mean, knowing the word of God. And a lot of that I learned in children's ministry because I have these silly little ditty songs that I use to sing the scripture verses. But they have come alive to me. Um, You know, I think part of this has to do with knowing who your enemy is, right? First Peter says, you need to be alert and sober-minded. Satan is a what, church? He's a lion. He's prowling around uh, and he's roaring, seeing whom he may devour. Do you know who lions love to eat in, in, in the wild? The young. They want to eat the young and the innocent. I experienced this personally with my youngest son, Samuel. Now, he just graduated from high school, but once upon a time, he was three. And we were in Pittsburgh. Go Pirates. Come on now. (laughs) Uh, We were in Pittsburgh at the zoo. And we were visiting a a display with a lion display. And there was a glass there, but there was rocks and all that kind of stuff. And this was the most amazing moment. I have never forgotten it. We were standing there in front of the glass, the glass separating us from the exhibit, and there was a lion. It was like a white lion. It was a special lion. And, it was, and all of a sudden, it was me and Samuel. And we're standing right here. And then there were other people standing at the glass. All of a sudden, that lion stopped. And he looked right at Samuel. And something in my spirit just went, Whoa! I'm going to tell you, church, it wasn't even a nanosecond that that lion was on the window. He crouched, he jumped, and he banged against that glass right in front of my son, Samuel. I was like, I didn't have time to go, ah. And the lion was there. You know, show him that first sign. Here's how we think of the devil. Oh, isn't he cute? He's so sweet. He's so, you know, we don't think of the devil. He's, be alert and sober-minded. Now, go put that next sign on there, Kirsten. I was in, I've been in South Africa seven times. This is the last time I went last year, or this year, I just, I took my aunt with me, and they have lion petting zoos, and we go and pet the lions. Aren't they cute? I've also been on safaris. Go ahead and put the next sign up. That's the reality of the lion. 
I have seen that live, and it is not a pretty picture. You've seen it maybe on TV, or maybe you've actually seen a lion in a kill. I actually got to see that happen in a safari. It's not pretty. But the lion is going after the weak and the innocent. How do we protect our kids from the enemy? Scripture. How did Jesus fight the devil? In the wilderness, he only had one tool that he used. He only chose to use one tool. And it was the word of God. So as Jesus prayed for his children, I want to encourage you to pray that our children are getting the word. And they're learning the word. And they're memorizing the word. How about you? Let's just put this out there. You can put that away. It's making me sick. <laughs> Let's just go back to our cozy little church setting here. <laughs> uh, how about you? Let me just throw some of these out there. Now, I've got the advantage. I'm the leverage guy. Okay. Romans 3.23. Do you know what it says? Good. Just checking. Romans 6.23. Do you know what that says? Good. I'm just, yeah, check yourselves here. This is the Roman road. You should really know this. Romans 6.23, Romans 5, 8. 5.8, I may be wrong on this one. <laughs> While we are yet sinners, Christ, yeah, Christ died for us. Yeah, 5.8. I just wrote some scripture verses down that I happened to, you know, have, it, I thought, knew. <laughs> Romans 10 9, and nine, 10, 9 and 10. Yes, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised from the dead, you will be saved. How about, here's one of my other favorites, Philippians uh, 4.13. I can do all things. I'm just saying, if I threw out a bunch of scripture memory verses, would you know them without having to, I mean simple ones, knowable ones. Do you know John 3.16? I'm telling you, as I've gone through this last season in my life, which I call the dark night of my soul, as I've gone through it, I have learned, and I'm sure you have too, I know this group has understood the value of the Word of God. We need to pray that for our children. All right? All right, point number three. Send them out. So we're praying two things right now. What what, what have we got so far, church? Pray what? They're yours, God. They're not ours to begin with. Then I want you to pray what? Get the Word. Get the Word. Get the Word. Internalize the Word. You don't own the Word until the Word owns you. How are we doing? Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, you might get out early today. Wow, somebody's going to be mad. Oh, don't preach that, sister. Now, come on. All right, so, uh, so the third thing I want you to know is Jesus prepared his children to send them out. We are concerned more about protecting our children than preparing our children. You are responsible for preparing your children to be sent out. Let's go back to that passage of scripture and look there again. Uh, Jesus says several times, uh, most notably in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Your kids, I, I, you know, here I am. I'm finally at that stage and I know a lot of you have already passed this stage. I'm at the almost the empty nest. <laughs> this is really hard. Was this hard for you? Huh? Or were like, you were like, hallelujah, sister. This is good news. My son Samuel, uh, very excited. He is, going to, he is going to Richard Bland College, two years, and then he's transferring. He said, Dad, I just don't know what I want to do yet. I'm not exactly sure um, where I want to go. I'm not passionate. He got accepted several places. He's a smart kid. Uh, and he got a golf scholarship offer at Richard Bland. So he's on the golf team. And they're paying for everything. God, thank you. <laughs> Jesus. 
And he said, is it okay if I just hang around for a couple more years? I said, yes. I'm not one of those dads. I love my boys. I love my boys and I love being with them. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But this empty nest thing, but we're not preparing them to be at home with us forever, right? We want to send them out. Um, you know, I, I've been to several churches. That I've been amazed at some of the things. I, I know this church does this too. But I'm asking you as parents, do you do this? Do you consider this as you, as you raise your children or even your grandchildren? How are you preparing them for service and missions? How are you preparing them to reach out? I was at a church recently where I did a vacation Bible school at a little country church up in Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh this year. And one of the guys just got back. The whole family went to Peru. Thought that was very cool. My pastor at the church that I attend now, uh, that our family attends in Chester, he just finished 20 years of ministry. For his 20-year sabbatical, he chose to take his whole family for five weeks to Ethiopia. Shut up! That's preaching. That is preaching right there. His whole family right now, today, if you think of him, his name's Sean Franco. He's the pastor at Cornerstone Church, and pray, they're still there. They're about there on their four, fourth week. They had church people come over, but they took the whole family, five children, to Ethiopia, and that was his sabbatical. That speaks about the importance of missions and raising a future. I just came back from New York City. When Samuel graduated, I, I, I wanted to spend some time with him, so I knew I'd be traveling a lot. So we went to New York City. We saw a Mets game. We saw a Yankees game. Saw a Broadway play. But I was really taken by the people there. Now, I've been, how many of you have been to New York City? Yeah, so you know. That's like, it doesn't get any more diverse than that. I mean, everything you could possibly want to see and not want to see is there, right? Subway trains. I'm like... As I travel internationally, I'm more and more impressed with how much God loves people. God loves people. God does not love things. He loves people. And so everything that we do is not necessarily for us. God wants us to bring him glory by using that to serve others. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And I was just really burdened by the fact that God loves that person. God loves that person. God loves that person. How will they come to know Jesus? The fields are ripe. So I was thinking about that, that verse. If you have your Bibles, did you ever wonder about this? Matthew 13, 44. This is this story about the treasures in the field. It's a little parable that Jesus told about a man who goes out and finds a treasure. Right? And what's he do with the treasure? He buries it. Then what does he do? Yeah, he leaves it, he goes back and he, what does he do with his every, uh, possessions? He sells everything. That's the point we need to understand. He sells everything and then goes back and this is, the, this is the part that I don't know if you ever thought about before, but this amazes me. What did he do with the money? Bought the field. He didn't buy the treasure. He bought the field. That's cool. You know why? Because the treasures are in the field. The treasures are out in the field, and the fields are ripe with harvest. God so loved his son that he... God so loved the what? The world that he sent his only son, Jesus, that whoever should believe in him should not perish. God so loved the world. Now, he doesn't love the world. This world is passing. Are we talking about, who are we talking about when we say the world? I tell kids this all the time. Take that phrase right out of there. I mean, don't delete it from scripture, but just take it out and put your name right in there. It's about people. 
It's about people. So how are you preparing, how are we preparing our children to be missions-minded, to be service-oriented? I'm terrible at this. I'm just going to confess that right now. I'm t- I've been in full-time ministry, traveling a ministry for 20. I can't ki- get my kids to go to camp with me for a week. And I'm convicted by that. I don't know that I've adequately prepared it. Ralphie, how you doing, buddy? I didn't see you up there before. Oh, squirrel. Whoop. Okay. <laughs> hey, great baseball season this year. Wow, huh? That was just a total track. All right. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so we got three things. I want to ask you to consider one more thing. And then uh, we're going to have just a short time of prayer here as we close. The last thing Jesus says I think is very interesting. And as you pray and as you consider... your loved ones or our children, I want you to consider what Jesus says in verse 19. As he prays for his children, he says, for them I, what? Sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. What you pour into your children is coming out of you. (laughs) In other words, what we've got to give the children is coming out what God's doing in our lives. And so you've got to separate yourself, consecrate yourself. That's why I love the dedication, because it's a consecration of sorts. It's a separation of sorts. Hey, will you be involved in? Will you do this? Will you consecrate yourselves to the work of raising up the next generation, these children that you're responsible for? To do that, church, you've got to have something to give them to begin with. Are you separate? Do you sanctify yourself? Do you spend time in the word? Do you have a daily devotion? Are you regularly attending church? Are you serving? Are you mission-minded? These things aren't going to come externally or they're going to ring false in the ears of a child. I got to tell you something about kids. This is what I love about kids. They don't have baby Holy Spirits. Oh, they know when you're lying. <laughs> yeah, they don't because they watch your lives. They watch closer probably than most people. And so there's the four things that I want you to consider as you pray for your loved ones, pray for your children, and you pray for our vacation Bible school this week. All right? So what we're going to do is we're going to open up the altar here. And you can come down here. Also, we want to make a time of uh, uh, offering salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then none of this probably matters or makes sense to you at all. Being a part of the body of Christ, which is raising up the next generation of children that are in our midst here. Or your children. So, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we'd love to talk to you about that. If you want to change membership, if it's a membership or a transfer or something like that, there'll be somebody down here to speak with you about that. But generally, I want to open up the altar or your space. I want to open it up to prayer for not only your children, but the children of this church. I think that's an appropriate thing to do today as we head into Vacation Bible School. Because I know, because of my experience, that you care about your children. I know that. So, I want you to join me in prayer, and I want you to commit to, if you would, that the Lord would lay a reminder on your heart daily to pray. We'll be here Sunday night to Wednesday night, and we want to see many come into the kingdom of God. We want to encourage kids in their faith. You know what? I want the kids to have fun, quite frankly, too. (laughs) So, these four things. Would we go over them real quick again? What was the first thing, church? Yeah, they're not ours to begin with. That changes how we approach the whole thing. They're yours, God. What's the second thing? Give them the word. Lord, let them know the word. Let the word penetrate their hearts and be revealed to them. What's the third thing? Fourth thing is sanctify yourself. Make yourself like Jesus prayed. What's the third thing? Are you, Lord, please use them, prepare them to be sent out to minister to the needs of others. Okay?
Kirsten, I'm not exactly sure at this point in time if somebody's supposed to come sing or anything, but is somebody singing? Is that Andy? Oh, thanks, Andy. Andy, Andy, the Holy One. God bless you, Andy. All right, I'm going to be up here. We're also, Pastor Andy will be here also to receive you for transfers or questions about salvation. But if you are willing, we're just going to open up the altar for a time of prayer. All right? Thank you, church. It's been great to be with you this morning, and I'm looking forward very much to being here with the kids this week. Let's stand.